Welcome to Wisdom of Wanderlust, the podcast for travelers by travelers. I'm Michael Bennett, co-founder of ExplorerX. As a seasoned traveler, coach, and educator, I've dedicated my life to supporting people just like you and becoming the hero of their own story. And I'm Robin Goldblatt, a lifelong globetrotter, avid outdoors woman, and health nut, driven by my relentless curiosity and compassion for our world. Join us as we explore and discuss how to travel better and how to live a better, more fulfilling, and more mindful life. Hey everyone, welcome into Wisdom and Wanderlust. Today we've got a very, very special guest for you, our friend Ursula Cordes. Ursula is one of the most amazing, authentic, lovable, kind, passionate, happiest people that we know, and we're, we're so excited to, to chat with her today. Ursula lives in Slovenia, and when she's not traveling the world with her husband and her two kids, she's designing these really incredible, really immersive, really unique ventures for, for our guests in Slovenia. And we're really, really excited to talk to her today. Today with Ursula, we're going to be chatting about why Slovenia's central location within Europe makes it such a unique place, how Slovenia gained the reputation as one of the greenest countries in the world, and what you can expect when you visit this magical place on your next trip. Yeah, Robin, this is this is going to be amazing. And I, I have to warn anyone who's listening, if you are not fully prepared to hop on a plane, grab your bags, and travel to, if not move to Slovenia, I would caution you not to listen to this because Ursula will get you super excited, will stoke your sense of wanderlust, and, and you're going to want to visit Slovenia as soon as, as soon as possible. Yeah, she makes a pretty convincing argument. <laughs> Slovenia is at the top of my list now, too. Um, are you ready to get started, Michael? Let's do it. How are you, Ursula? <laughs> I'm excellent, actually. Thank you. Yeah? <laughs> the spring came to Slovenia, and we got the land covered with snow today, so it's pretty unusual. Oh, Everything wow. is green and in bloom, and... We have snow, so it's nature is showing us. Um, she's the she's the boss. Yeah, <laughs> she she's always always the boss. That sounds like Bozeman. You never know what you're gonna get in the spring. One day it can be seventy and sunny, and the next you can get you can wake up to snow. <laughs> so what what have you been up to over the past year? I mean, what's oh. what's life been like for you during the pandemic? So during the past year, we've been trying to keep positive, optimistic and do all the stuff that we never had time to do, like spend more time with kids, spend more time in nature, this kind of stuff. And now we had time. And so we really took time to found new, more remote of the beaten pets places and we took time to actually go to our friends who run wine vineyard who has vineyards or are owning villas or our winemaker cheesemaker like farmers that they always say oh ursula when you have time come back with your family and spend with us three days on our agroturismo and you say yeah, yeah i'm gonna come and um this year we had time to visit them all and stay there and this really really deepened our relationship with them so because before you went and you met this wine producer and you did wine tasting and you had to be there with people and you had to run further to cheese tasting 
and now you can slow down with them and connect and really plan together how to live differently and how to survive and how to sure. remain positive and like like really we did a lot on building relationships mm -hmm. staying in touch with everybody and trying to motivate him and inspire them that the good times are about to come we just need to be patient and um, what do you what do you think is going to change after the pandemic i mean i've, I've heard a lot about I was reading a New York Times article the other day about people saying that they just can't imagine going back to life as it was before the pandemic and wanting to slow down and wanting to really care for those relationships that mean the most to them and and understand what to let go of. And I'm just curious what, what you think, you, know, you just talked about slowing down and deepening those relationships. What do you think life looks like a year from now? I read that article that um, you shared in New York Times, and I thought some of the answers, how they're surviving this were really touching, you know, like how people really slow down, how they're doing their garden that before they didn't have time because they were running around the world and how they call their lost sisters or something like this. I think we're doing the same here in Slovenia and Croatia, like slowing down because you might recall that Croatia was really like having amazing summer season in 19, 2019, uh, with everybody going to Dalmatia and Dubrovnik. And now people are like, do we really want to have like 10 groups in a row guiding and one group after another and cruise ships? So people are appreciating the extra time that they have, but they still want to survive in one side. So I'm talking now from the provider perspective, you know, mm -hmm. and as a traveler and consumer, you know, I think people will want to travel slower and spend more time somewhere. But I'm afraid that as we don't learn normally, people might go back into their fast paced life, you know, and mm -hmm. I think now it's time that we kind of learn how to avoid this, you know, so that when, let's say us, that when the tourism is coming, that we are not going back into this crazy. I'm feeling optimistic that we, we won't. And certainly, you know, when Robin and I are, are working on designing travel for our clients and our guests, you know, what we're hearing consistently now and seeing is that they they really do want to slow down. They really do want to take more time. We, we've had more requests for two, three, four week trips, you know, over the past month or so, whereas in the past, you know, it's typically seven to 10 days. And so we're, we're starting to already see the fact that people want to, and they've asked for, for more free time uh -huh. to just wander and explore and, and not have something planned and let the spontaneity of travel unfold and, uh -huh. and reveal its magic. And, so I'm hoping that that does stick and we're going to do everything we can mm -hmm. through our travel design at ExploreX, through through the the wisdom that we share, you know, on this podcast to, to really encourage and hopefully inspire people to, to slow down and to maintain that pace moving forward. I agree here with like when you're designing trip that you really should not put too much and give them extra free time that after the day that they have experienced the hikes, the lakes, the mountains, the castles, the food, the, so much 
um, impressions that they have time that they can reflect on this and breathe in and out before they're running to dinner or sending messages back to their home, you know? So yeah, even like a free day, you know, because if you're on a tour for eight days and every day you have five or different impressions, then it's too much, you know, you, you forgot on the day six, what happened on day one, because so much sure. going on. So I think like even one day, which is free day, like sit down, write your journal or just requestings from the guest. Hey, it's dinner time before dinner. We have to take five minutes to do the journal and write your gratitude for a day, you know, but let's say that we kind of a, kind of a implement this in our trip. Sure. And, and, and at, on a personal note, you, you've had a chance to, to spend I would imagine much more time with your two little ones mm-hmm. over the past year. What's that been like for you? <laughs> Hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really really nice because everybody's saying take advantage of your kids when they're little because they grow too fast and they really grow too fast. All of a sudden you have them in your in your lap and all of a sudden you cannot leave them anymore after one year of pandemic because they grow up so much, you know? So that's really, we had a nice time. And I know that if the season last year would be like it was in 2019, I would not see them much, you know? And um, since this year also, it's not gonna be probably that crazy as before. I'm happy that whatever comes now, I'm happy. I will spend more time with it. If the groups are coming, I will be working. So, but mm-hmm. I'm just like taking every day what, happens you know so and especially as health is really so important i think even when you have small kids like i do you take every day like it is you know because everything can change so quickly in terms of health you know they're really more fragile in a way than we are you know because they're still building their their immune system so um yeah it's been a gift actually but it's difficult because without daycare you are a mom and a travel advisor and travel designer and businessman and wife and cleaning lady so it's um, it's intense but um, fulfilling is anything going to change for you in terms of your relationship with your kids moving forward or how you manage your days to spend more time with them you mean now when there's going to be kindergarten or um sure I, sure or just 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 post pandemic life if, if such a thing exists i think that daycare or kindergarten it's really good for them because they really bring so much knowledge from them and i can still have quality because now i'm working all the time and i'm babysitting all the time so i think at that i will be working when they're in daycare and when they come home i'm with them only so i'm not mixing these two things together. So I'm more focused on work and I'm more focused on them. Yeah, Ursula, you are Wonder Woman balancing all of these things. <laughs> it's trying really amazing. To, trying to. Can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and where you're based? I'm based in Slovenia and my name is Ursula. I'm, I'm from Slovenia. Uh, which is a beautiful green, tiny country on the sunny side of the Alps. Um, on one side, you have beautiful mountains, which are now covered with snow. On the other side, one hour drive away, you have beautiful, sparkling Mediterranean. On 
One hour drive is Italy, one hour drive is Austria, one hour drive is Croatia, and a few hours, two hours away is Hungary. So we're really in the heart of Europe, I would say. And we are designing trips in our region because you might know that Slovenia used to be part of Yugoslavia back in 80s. Then, of course, um, Yugoslavia uh, fall apart. So, it, um, so we are covering, actually, we, I was born in Yugoslavia those four decades ago. Then the war happened when, um, when we were teenagers. But since we still had, let's say at that time, Serbo-Croatian language in, at school, we really feel this Yugo nostalgic for the times that we kind of lost. Mm. So we're covering trips in Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and I have really close friends in all these places. It's one of my favorite places in the world because the Montenegro has, can be as wild as Tibet, or it's really like each of these ex-Yugoslavian states, it's um, special by itself. But yeah, in, we are based in Slovenia. How did you get into the travel industry? Since I was little, I always, always dreamt about traveling and photography. And I remember my parents would take us for holidays to Greece, for example, when we were kids and we had these old cameras with like 24 um, rolls you know and <laughs> yeah. i wanted to take photos and they're like no don't take photos don't take so many of them you know we have to save that for the next birthday and the next birthday you know before you have one roll per year you know now you have 24 <laughs> in a minute you know so I like photography and through that, um, I always dreamt I'm going to be traveling like one of Slovenian writers from the 19th century. So I thought I'm going to be this crazy lady traveling the world with a leather suitcase and uh, with a typing machine. So, And, and you've, you've, you've sort of accomplished that, haven't you? Maybe, maybe wow. without the, the typewriter. <laughs> Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I, when I look back, I've really been to so, so many amazing places and traveled from the Himalayas, Africa, Sahara, I don't know, all the continents. Where would you say your sense of wanderlust came from? I think from my great, great, great parents, because my family is coming from a place which is known for woodcraft, for woodenware. And that region was pretty poor, but they had wood. So what they had to do, they had to do all kinds of woodenware, like spoons, all kinds of woodenware that you can use in the kitchen. But they had to sell this around. So these guys had suitcases made out of wood, which were loaded with all kinds of wooden products. Um, it was really mm. typical for that area. So even my great-great-grandfather, in the time of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, they traveled the world. So they had to go for half a year to direction of Austria or somewhere else. And um, so they traveled and sold, they were selling the wooden woodcraft. And we are joking that they were traveling the world with a wooden backpack and selling the woodcraft. And I'm traveling, I started traveling with my backpack and selling the adventurous trekking holidays so um when you have your backpack and filled with armor rest and stuff so i felt like um, <laughs> i put these photos together my grandpa and my grandma yeah. and me so i think it comes from this and 
Um, yeah, there was a saying also in this particular village that the baby was born. They put it on the door of the house. And if that person would roll outside, that means it needs to go into the world and sell this wooden woodenware around. But if it fell inside into the house, it would become a potter. Um, because there was a lot of like mud, I mean the clay body there. So actually I'm both. So I'm 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 like rolling from inside of the house and outside. <laughs> I'm a traveler and I'm a potter, you know. So and and that and that area was also really popular for witchcraft, and they were kind of a burning a lot of so-called entrepreneur and woman. Yeah, I mean witches. Yeah, and uh, in Slovenia yeah. also like the name of the witch. So I think it all has some meanings. Inspired by your great-great-grandparents and by your own travels as a child to Greece and other places with your with your own parents, you got into the industry, into the travel industry. Did you start guiding? Like, what what has been your path since you entered the travel industry? I studied economics. I actually wanted to study geography or archaeology, but since you're in Slovenia and the ruins are not like pyramids like in um, Egypt, but okay, there are Roman ruins that are like everywhere in Slovenia and Croatia, I thought, how will I get a job? And then I thought, okay, geography, I want to travel. I don't want to be teaching all the time. So we decided, okay, let's do economics. But on that way, I um, took a major in hospitality so I went to the Netherlands and I studied there and I was part of all kind of exchange programs that you could imagine because in Europe this is really good because you would get subsidy from the European Union to take course of photography, videography, culture, um, minorities and European Union was sponsoring this so I went everywhere and you didn't need to pay anything as a student. So you would see me in Poland one day, next day in Portugal, um, then I went to Holland, then I took advantage of all this, and then I went for exchange in Colombia, in Bogota, so everywhere I could find a way. I, I All the money I earned doing all kind of student work and also a lot of woodenware with my grandfather, everything went to flight tickets. Yeah, yeah so started traveling and then I worked um, as a host at the international office in the student organization and then I started guiding tracks and then when I was in Colombia I organized uh, and designed a trip in trekking in Colombia back in 2004 when everybody were pretty much still scared to travel there due to mm -hmm. the park but I had the best times of my life like everywhere where I go so <laughs> <laughs> I've been at home everywhere. <laughs> Have you had a particularly profound or meaningful travel experience? I'm sure they're all meaningful to some degree, mm -hmm. right? They always are. But is there one that stands out as being a real pivotal point in your personal growth? Mm, I think um, living in Colombia in that time after my studies was quite well because it was the other continent. It was not Europe. Everybody were terrified why I'm going there alone, living in Bogota. So that was kind of a good way I, to be really independent and 
decide that I really want to stay in travel business and I don't know these cultural differences and I don't know just adapting to different environments I think that was really good what did you learn about yourself while you were there in Colombia I can do everything if I decide so (laughs) (laughs) oh it was really good and I mean that one relationship led to another one and you met that people that brought you to this salsa festival and you when you already thought you're gonna i don't know go home you found this guy that is trading with um i don't know with fruit tropical fruits or with emeralds and i mean some really nice cool stories so what are you spending most of your time doing today Dreaming and trying to remain positive dreaming of how should we reinvent and redesign our trips that will be the best for the guests for us that we operate and for the ones that are our suppliers you know um like that you really go to our friends that are i don't know winemakers or that are running this cute agroturismo or to an artist that really doesn't know how to maybe sell and survive his art, but he's doing something really super crazy and inspiring. Mm. But I might know a guest that will appreciate that and Mm. they will like make a spider web of their new friendship um, through me being the connection of this guest that will have some meaningful memory going back. And this person that is an artist locked in his beautiful 600 years old stone house i don't know like connecting people so i'm i'm dreaming and crafting how we can make this work that the travel would be good for everybody and we we've talked about that you know in our conversations is we've brainstormed ways to create really powerful experiences for travelers and right you you and and robin and i have talked about the fact that the new luxury, at least you know, in, in our opinion, is not going to be fancy accommodations and five-star properties and high thread counts. It's going to be connecting with the people like that artisan that you mentioned who is trying to survive but does some really, really beautiful work. And it's really, really difficult for most people to be able to find that person and connect with them. And being able to, to facilitate that connection and those conversations is what's going to be most important for people. Yeah, I think many times, that's why I really like the women travel leaders that are with Janine, that are inspiring uh, ladies. It's like that you are proud of what you do, you know, because people are probably making the beautiful pastry, the beautiful honey, beautiful something, but they're like, oh, but yeah, everybody are doing honey. So that you're proud of what you do and that you appreciate them and that you support them and I don't know, in the end, that you bring them income buying their honey and saying that, yeah, they didn't use any preservatives or anything and that it's natural and ecological. And yeah, that is a big thing, especially if you know that ecological things are normally have higher standards and you need to um, put more money into it. Yeah, And then in the end, you have to sell it for a higher price. And that these providers need to believe in themselves, but sometimes you need somebody that kicks you and pushes you and say, hey, you're doing great. You are mm-hmm. your inspiration. So. so much of travel is about exchange, right? It's an exchange of goods. It's an exchange of ideas. It's an exchange exchange of perspectives, right? So connecting with these people, you know, where they are able to sit down and have a, 
a conversation and learn from one another, right? That's what really makes travel so, so different than other ways that you can spend your time and spend your money. Ursula, what do you love most about what you do? People and talking and breathing air and freedom and being active and being outdoors and being in the woods. So like being connected with nature and being outside. I can relate to that. <laughs> so Ursula, let's let's step back a little bit. I think a lot of our listeners may have a general idea of where Slovenia is and, and what it's all about. But you, and you, you did a little bit of this earlier, but set the stage for us. Tell us more about where Slovenia is and just sort of where it's been over the past 30 and 40 years. So when people think of Slovenia, they many times don't know where to geographically position it. So some it's some so it's like Transylvania or it's Czechoslovakia or it's Slovenia. So we are in Slovenia, which is now independent country, but it used to be for but it used to be part of Yugoslavia. And uh, even before it was part of Austro-Hungarian Empire, it was a part of Habsburg monarchy. So historically, Slovenia is on a crossroad between Austro-Hungarian Empire, Venetian, Venetians and Ottomans. And Ljubljana, where I'm based now, it has perfect location because we are one hour from Austria. We are two hours drive from Venice, actually. So if I decide now, I can go for a beautiful cappuccino in Venice, like in one of the world's most beautiful places in two hours, you know. Um, wow. We are Ljubljana, yeah, it's one hour from Croatia. So I decided that over the weekend I want to see kayak the most turquoise waters of the Adriatic. And in two hours I'm there and in three hours I'm in Vienna or in Hungary. So no matter how small we are, if you think maybe compare it to the US, you we can keep you busy for 365 days per year because there's like the topography, it's all about valleys and mountains and rivers and uh, lakes and we have 7,000 caves so we can really keep you busy even if you come here for a year. Even I don't know everything and especially because here in Slovenia, it's also a lot about people. And we, when you know these people, they're really happy and they will not let you go. And even if you plan to stay there for an hour, you spend a day there or you overnight. And so you can really easily get stuck here. So Slovenia, it's about the Alps. It's about the Mediterranean Sea. It's maybe like small Switzerland or Dolomite without crowds or like Austria and like architecture, it's like Prague or Austrian because Slovenia used to be part of Austro-Hungarian Empire, mm. if that makes it more. It's, it's yeah, no, really it does. It, it reminds me a bit of, of, you mentioned the Dolomites, you know, region where it's, you know, the, it's got a varied background, a varied history and a cross section of cultures. Geographically beautiful, the landscape is stunning, but the, the culture is so fascinating because it is a mix of so mm. many different cultures yeah even like that reflects in food for example you go to to the western side of slovenia which is on the border with italy when there was his sons of front and hemingway wrote his farewell to arms there so there it's all about pasta risotto gnocchis and then you just move 
not even 40 minutes drive away, it's the Mediterranean cuisine. It's all about olive oil, it's about fish, it's about salt. This is the place when actually Venice got the salt. It was actually from the Slovenian salt fields, which are still in factions for 500 years. So it's this, and then you move a bit to the east, it's all about Balkan food. It's like a grill, it's just like, like if you're in Turkey, you know, with all the minced meats um, and maybe like it's all connected, Turkey and Greece. And like maybe when you have this minced meat rolled in leaves, you know, it's really Greek or mm. Ottoman. And then you move to the east and it's all about goulash and paprikash. And then you move to the north, it's all about sauerkraut and sausages. So <laughs> you have all these traditions and culture reflects in food. So you can really find everything. You don't, you don't find a lot of Asian food here but you can find all the rest yeah for, the, for those that that are listening i'm sure like me they're ready to move to slovenia <laughs> now so yes. you can give us a sense of the cost of living there what the what the career and job opportunities are like and the housing market <laughs> that would be fantastic so what is what is going on today what's what's what outside of the pandemic what topics of conversation are, are happening right now in Slovenia? I think in Slovenia lately, if we eliminate this word starting on P and C, <laughs> um, then it's all about sustainability, all about nature, all about preserving what we have. It's uh, 70% of Slovenia is covered with forest, you know, so we want to preserve this. We want to have water that you can have potable water. And I, I have here water, which I have from tap, you know, and we all do it. We don't buy bottled water because it's better than the ones. So it's all about how to do like do the mobility, you know, so more electric cars, more bike rides, because for example, Ljubljana, it has 300,000 people. And actually um, there's a lot of bike routes are here and mm -hmm. we are all even developing more of them because really like where I live now, it's four miles from the center center. And I'm living now in the nature park, which is protected. And within three miles drive, I can be in the old historic town and now with electric bikes, even if before the pandemic people were not cycling that much, now you can see like the, it's impossible to buy bikes. Um, and uh, with e-bikes, this is even more accessible and people are trading their cars for bikes or e-bikes, maybe like in the, ne in the Netherlands or in Holland or in Denmark. Because we know that in this way, you are do something good for yourself, something good for the environment. You save money for parking or the fine because you couldn't park properly. And yeah, so it's about this and yeah, and about how to like the circular economy, how one can connect with another and like how we can, I don't know, the waste, how you can, I don't know, deposit waste in a more wise, because and eco-farming and farming and buying local. The food has been really important lately. So like how to, pro, how to save the Slovenian farmer, how not to buy something from big brands. So for example, me and my friends, we all have like a friend of a friend where I buy flour, where I buy veggies, where I buy wine, where I buy beer, you know, it's all from a friend of a friend, which is not that hard in Slovenia as we are 2 million. 
and everybody we were joking that we are all related and we probably are but uh, yeah. <laughs> i mean you you need one thing like carrot or flour or um really good beer you tell me and i will find you a source and you can buy it straight from them you know amazing where did this passion for conservation and, and sustainability come from where did it start? I think it's it's really become a popular word, but it's how we live, you know? It's really like, it's not that it came naturally, it's how we live, you know? It's just like with collecting like the medicinal plants or herbs, you know? Now the um, now there's a lot of, I don't know, dandelion, for example, and we just make salad out of it. And um, there's going to be a lot of all kinds of, elder blossoms now and we're gonna make syrup out of it we're not gonna buy something artificial we're just gonna use sugar and make syrup so it's, it's tradition you know because you drank this elderberry syrup that your grandma did it or your neighbor did it and because she put too much of that syrup inside it was of course super sweet and you as a kid remember this elderberry as like um, the best drink and you want to do it like to recall this youth and I do it and now my kids like it and it's all like natural or like har or forging porcinis, you know, like there's no better thing than fresh porcini soup or like with fresh mm -hmm. herbs. And so it's, I think we have this obsession with food and forging. And I think now when we are spending more time in the forest, I think forging is like Shrinyoku, you know, like the Japanese has, you know. They go there and they spend time in the nature and in the forest. And we do that through collecting all kinds of stuff that we can find. Berries, some mushrooms, pine needles, pine cones, and then we soak everything in alcohol. And uh, Is it safe to say that, that most people in Slovenia are this way? I think we are um, pretty obsessed with uh, with uh, forging and with harvesting and collecting and because now is the dandelion season and all you can see on Facebook it's like dandelion salad with, with some potatoes and eggs because it's like oh it's the season so yeah we are and where it's porcini oh. season people are competing who's collected more porcinis yeah or uh, and another obsession is mountaineering because we are a mountaineering nation um, we have great amount um, climbers that conquered really difficult ascents to in Himalaya, Sakonkagua, all over. So yeah, it's, that's, you know, it's because we hike so much, we rather go hiking than driving in a vehicle, for example. And in this way, we are preserving nature. And it's just something deliberating when you're hiking and uh, then talking to people and because we also have this mountaineering association when people are volunteering to maintain trails, you know, just that the trails are in good shape and they're all marked. And uh, so mm. I think it comes from the times of Yugoslavia when you had to step together and, you know, um, do this voluntary work and uh, do something for the benefit of the benefit, so for the well-being of the community. It's such a, a strikingly simple yet beautiful way to live. And it reminds me, have you heard of Blue Zones, the idea of the Blue Zone? Mm -mm. There's a, an author, um, Daniel Butner, I believe is his name, but he has a book out called The Blue Zones, and he's identified 
five regions of the world, and it maybe has expanded since then, that have the longest life expectancy mm-hmm. and, and, and explored what they have in common. And there's nine key criteria or factors. And, but, but what you're describing, you know, Slovenia sort of nails most of them, right? It's, it's an active lifestyle. It's a communal sense of living, you know, a sense of purpose in your life. It's eating healthy foods. It's sharing. It's, you know, it's all of those things. So I, I, it just really lands with me personally that what you're talking and I compare and contrast that with, you know, life here in Seattle and some of the ways that most people live maybe here in, in other parts of the, of the United States or, or the Western world. And it just, it just really sounds beautiful. Yeah, because Slovenia is, we don't have big cities. Like I said, Ljubljana, it has 300,000 and I'm in Ljubljana. I'm three miles away and I'm in nature park. So we don't have any big buildings and yeah, everybody has a friend that has a farm or a winemaking um, or wine cellar. And of course they want to share the happiness and the wine and the meat and zucchini when the season is, you know, so Oh, you can yeah. imagine all the zucchinis we can eat in the summer <laughs> and cucumbers. <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah, it is kind of like the ideal. Like everyone has a trade, and yeah. like I you, mean, you, was, you do I... your pottery, and yeah. like somebody else is something else, and you can all kind of like trade and exchange. And... Yeah, they just called me yesterday that some um, they are doing a photography. They are doing the photography styling for a wedding, and I I can provide some ceramics, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, because they want to do a nice styling, and yeah, of course I sell this, but today I felt like I can help them, and they can use my ceramic. I don't know, give yeah. some so just to promote and to help them. They're also struggling wedding photographers, I assume, so. You've inspired me. You've whet my appetite to learn more about traveling. Well, also, I'm thinking about zucchinis and dandelions and salads, <laughs> and I'm getting hungry. But but when it comes to travel, uh, you, you you mentioned the the proximity and the closeness to other countries. But what if you if you're if you're planning a trip, let's say a two week trip within Slovenia, how are, where are you going? What are you doing? What kinds of experiences can people have while they're traveling in and around Slovenia? So I, I first really prefer to spend more time in understanding who the guest is or the client is. So I have really a lot of questions like, are you active? Are you interested in culture, in history? Do you maybe have relatives in Slovenia or are you into music? And since we know that we built this in the itinerary, so I think you really should visit the Alps because they're really pretty. I think like hiking and then we have some beautiful rivers. If you're interested in canoeing or whitewater kayaking and rafting, we can add this. We love to do the to show the medieval cities, which are full of culture and stories. We have beautiful farmers markets. And we do have some um, bear watching. I don't know how interesting that 
for the Americans and Alaska, but uh, in Europe, they're pretty rare. And uh, we do have beautiful wine area. In the small, tiny Slovenia, we have 42 different um, wine areas and on the border with Slovenia and uh, with Hungary and Croatia. I think depending on person, we can adjust it. And then slow travel, the big thing lately has been glamping, which is glamorous camping, uh, when you're actually staying in a tent, uh, making your own fire and grilling that straw that you just got from the river, you know, so it's, um, um, I think it's really important that you slow down and I have to pace myself that I don't put too much in your itinerary because we want to show you everything, you know, but you also need to breathe and digest everything. So, mm-hmm. so mountains, rivers, and of course the Mediterranean, if you like the sea, the karst area, which is famous for the, for the caves and the special energy. And of course my grandfather's craft center of Ribnica. So. So roughly six months would be an appropriate amount of time. No, 365 days. <laughs> no, I think in two weeks we can really do it in a way that we see things, but that we don't rush and we can spend in one day, one place like four nights and have one day really more relaxed. And then we have, we travel a bit because, um, yeah, so I would say two weeks are really perfect if you can afford that amount of time. Sure. And there's a glamping, of course, and but I think a lot of the other accommodations, too, are very local, small, sort of family-run. Here is really family-run and small and unique and boutique. And it's not just the word, but the thing is that, I don't know, our boutique hotel might have 10 rooms or it has five rooms, you know, and it's owned by a family that lives next door and they just want to provide you the real experience and instead of going to to restaurant every day they they promote um dinner at our table which says okay today we're gonna eat polenta with goulash if you're for it that's how we eat you can sit at our table you know so it's um an agroturismo we have 600 agroturismo which means that the family is producing some kind of um, agriculture but beside that it has five six ten rooms and they are really normally breeding and living for this property normally it's beautiful farm everything is all the flowers are perfectly trimmed and i mean it's like living on a farm but doing the cool stuff you know and they have to do the hard stuff with planting and harvesting everything but you come there and you have a feeling you're a farmer and you help them get these fresh asparagus out and you chop them and you help them cooking that and so you can be part of the family with these people because it's really family run like i don't know like eco farm urska just they just renovated room and uh, rooms there and yeah they have five rooms you know and they're gonna do everything that you're gonna never want to leave them but you will need to. Or not. Well, what's your what's your personal favorite time of year in Slovenia? All. They're all they're all um I, I just will tell you this because um today we're uh, today I went to a place just behind our house and I took a photo because it's all covered in snow. So I was thinking like I have photo of this river with that small tiny pier in winter 
with super green fluorescent leaves from spring in beautiful summer hot day and in orange red beautiful leaves because we have four seasons and I like them all. If I had to choose, I would probably go for winter because I was born in winter and the kids of winter never grow old. And I think there's something pure and clear and white. And I don't know when it's really white and there's snow. I, mean, I think there's something pure and beautiful in winter and snow when nature is resting. Would you say that not as many people visit during winter? Um, the foreigners not. Summer? But uh, we are all over now um, when ski resort clothes, like we are like little tiny ants climbing every single peak now, um, hiking, snowboarding, cross country skiing, powder riding, um, ice climbing, cross country skiing. So we are all over. We love, we love winter. One more question for you before we sort of move into our wrapping up rapid fire kinds of questions for you. Ursula, where do you see Slovenia in 15 or 20 years? Difficult question. I think if we, if the travel develops in so-called, let's say, sustainable way, we're going to be like Switzerland, I would say. Like green, clean, organized. I mean, we already are small Switzerland, um, just that, um, yeah organized because we are organized as germans from the, our history austro-hungarian and Hamburg, and we are passionate as the balkans so small switzerland with the balkan touch i love that i love it i love it and and, and to know we we are going to do our part at explore x to make sure that that happens so we've got a lot of fun adventures planned with you and and the other folks that are there in slovenia we have our small group journey that we're we're planning for next uh-huh. may is that correct uh-huh. next may uh, june 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 all right mm-hmm. small group journey uh in june and then one of our adult study abroad programs so month-long yeah. opportunities to really immerse and we're targeting september of 22 is that correct yeah. yes i think that's the perfect time because it's still nice and warm and kids are back to school so we as the visitors can have a feeling how People really live here. And on the other side, we can have all the touristy spots for ourselves because kids are back to school. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. And then we're going to also be continuing our conversation about, besides custom travel, but what we're now calling adult study, or excuse me, at home abroad, right? Which, which are custom versions of a month long program where people can get an apartment. You know, or get a get a house somewhere in in Slovenia and really have a chance to slow down and really so, immerse themselves. Do you know how many of our friends that came to Slovenia packed their bags in U.S. or um, Scotland or somewhere and just moved to Slovenia? We have plenty of them, really. Wow! Because many times they come and they're like, "Oh." really nice here i've been only here for 10 days i want to live longer so i think that idea of yours like add um like home home abroad yeah especially in ljubljana people fall in love in ljubljana because it's like it's all pedestrian zone it's a nice market there's beautiful coffee place and like i said even if you come here for a month and even for two 
you can still work for your company back home in US, but you can sit on a train and you see this the most beautiful biennale of art in Venice and the next days you're seeing Klimt in Vienna and you know so and then you're like swimming in Dalmatia. So even if you come for two months to Slovenia or three or one, you can go for a weekend trip somewhere nearby and call Ljubljana or somewhere in Slovenia your home, you know, and mm -hmm. um, really have a quality time without using too much time and commuting somewhere because the distances are short. I have, I have a strong feeling that when I come to visit, I'm, you're going to have to rip me away, kicking and screaming <laughs> to go home. And then I'm going to want to be oh, one yeah, of those people that moves there. Worry, but we are, we are really hard working in Slovenia. So um, you will find your work that you will, will keep you busy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Michael, you work remotely, so. <laughs> I do. Yeah, we all work remotely. So that's, I could do that yeah. from, from Slovenia, no problem. Yeah. We can talk about work visas and that kind of stuff after the, after yeah. the podcast. All right, let's let's get into some fun rapid fire style questions here for you, Ursula, before we close out. What is your favorite book of all time and why? The first the first book I think of, I think it was The Open Veins of Latin America. You heard of? Eduardo no. Um, so it's talking about how the Latin America was discovered and exploited and it's like the veins um, of the people that were killed there, the veins when they exploited Amazons or the forest or the mines in Potosi. So I think maybe I read it there in Colombia and I could feel all this silver and gold and all the ingredients going back to Spain on Europe, I think that open veins, that really made an impact on me, how we as a colonizer destroyed certain cultures. What is the best or most memorable meal you've had? I think I really like to dine at our friend um, in Hisha Franca, Ana Roche. We've been going there for 15 years and I really followed how her cuisine developed and how she became even more brave and creative through all this year. Now she has two Michelin stars and it's always a surprise what she's going to make. But it's all, like I talked before, it's all about just sourcing the local ingredients um, that she has in the background, like forging um, pine needles, pine cones, um, mushrooms. So I think she does the most amazing meal, honestly. What's one thing that you always bring with you when you travel? I always say the same, but it's true. It's Swiss army knife. That's the most thing that I really need. It's You can cut things, you can think some needles out, you can open wine bottle. Um, I always take my Swiss <laughs> army knife everywhere. It's really important. So. Uh, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? And why? Everywhere. Now, I think I would like to go to Antarctica because I love, I think it's one of the places that I don't know how long is still going to last with all the global warming. And I love, I think that there's something magical in glaciers. 
I love Patagonia for this. I like Alaska for this. I love glaciers. I think they're like giant giants with so much to tell and they're so mysterious. So I like, I like glaciers. So yeah, Antarctica. We've talked about this a little bit, but you've traveled extensively through your life. What's one thing that you've learned about yourself or about the world from all of your travels? Probably that you need to respect others and cultures and that you need to believe in yourself and that you need to go with the flow and be open to whatever comes to your way. And if you're like this, when you're traveling, really the most amazing things happen. If you could go back and give your 20-year-old self one piece of advice, what would that be? Just do what you do and keep on doing it your way. So just be yourself and dare to do things that you think they're right without harming anyone. Last one. If you could summarize your travel or life philosophy in one word or phrase, what would that be? Probably, I don't know, carpe diem. Uh, Ursula, this has been awesome. Um, we appreciate you very, very much. We thank you for inspiring a sense of wanderlust in all of us and certainly uh, sharing some of your wisdom as well. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I hope we can all hug and talk in uh, beautiful vineyards of um, vineyards of Slovenia. With, with a dandelion salad and a glass of wine <laughs> or and, elderberry and some, juice. And some, <laughs> some of 365 brandies we do with all the medicinal purpose. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, if you want to learn more about Slovenia and how you can travel there with ExploreX, you can visit our website, which is explore-x.com slash Slovenia. Uh, again, Ursula, thank you once again. Thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to make sure you get the latest episodes uh, when they come out. Follow us on social media at GoExploreX. And if you have any questions for us, we can be reached at hello at explore-x.com. Also, be sure to check out our next episode of Wisdom and Wanderlust when we chat with our good friend Melody Miles about the art of sulcation and what it means to create a life that you don't need a vacation from. So until next time, thanks everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.